This show is brought to you by Drift Outfitters in Toronto at 199 Queen Street East. Drift is remaining open during these difficult times, but with a new way of getting you your fly fishing goods without allowing customers into the shop. Visit them online at driftoutfitters.com to order products and take advantage of free shipping across Canada on orders over 100 bucks. Why not help them out during this difficult time for small businesses? Give them a shout out on Instagram. Got a great photo to share? Tag at Drift Outfitters. Also, you can tag your fly tying picks with hashtag self-isolation to show your friends and your followers how you're spending your downtime. Giving Drift more exposure and love right now is one way we can help keep them going. These are tough times, and we must find a way to continue supporting our community store. Visit driftoutfitters.com for more information. Hello and welcome to another episode of So Fly. It is uh, May, middle of May, and we're back here recording another show. Uh, my name is Mitch. We've got Aldo. Hello. We've got Yelma. Hey, everyone. We've got a very special guest on the show today. Um, he's come today to talk to us about fly fishing in a very beautiful place in Ontario, Algonquin Park. Uh, we've got uh, Jeff Jackson on the show. Jeff, how's it going? Great, great. Thanks for having me. I'm pleased to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We're super excited to talk about, uh, you know, fly fishing in Algonquin Park. I know we've all kind of spent a little bit of time there. Um, we're still obviously in isolation, so uh, getting to talk about, uh, you know, trips because it's kind of that time of year where we're starting to think about, you know, heading out and getting the rods out. Obviously, trout's into full swing at this point, so uh, it's nice to, to talk about these destinations and talk about uh, Algonquin Park especially because we also haven't talked about Algonquin Park much on the show, actually. Kind of amazing. Yeah, not really. And we're in the uh, so yesterday made my day. So we're still in the in the COVID, whatever you call it, lockdown, self isolation yep. mode. But uh, announced yesterday, provincial parks are opening the end of the week. Did you hear that? So yes. Algonquin yes. will be open for fishing. It's it's normally open April twenty fifth, somewhere around there. Last week, last Saturday of April, it normally opens. Right. Okay. So we've had uh, it'll be three to four weeks of people kind of chewing their nails waiting for it to open. Yeah. Because <laughs> the ice went off early this year. It would have been a great year to get in there early, but. Uh, uh, not yet, but next next Friday, holy, it's going to be busy. Yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> oh, it's exciting. Yeah, right before the long weekend. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great yeah. that things have, are starting to open up, and um, yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's going to be really, really good. Well, let's maybe we get start by going into, like, uh, your fly fishing background, and we'll just kind of get people to, to – let's get people to know who you are a little bit and what you do. So, first of all, where are you calling from today? So, I'm in the Ottawa Valley. So, between Pembroke and Petawawa is my home, and I'm, I'm – when I look out my window, I kind of look into what we call Crown Forest or public land, and that kind of stretches all the way back to the border of Algonquin Park. So it's really, I can get to the gate in about a 10-minute drive. Oh, wow. Um, my nice. day job, I teach at Algonquin College where we have an adventure tourism program. So oh, I'm nice. a professor in that for the for the school year, and I have the summer off. So this is my summer job. You sound like you have a pretty sweet uh, little life you crafted life. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't catch me complaining. I, I like how things are rolling. It's pretty good. Yeah. And whereabouts? Which which access gate are you are you close to? So I'd be the the Barron Canyon gate. It's called the Sand Lake Gate on Barron Canyon Road. Nice. So Barron Canyon is a one of the most picturesque spots, and it's actually the most popular canoe route in the park because it's a simple three day and it's really beautiful. But mm. it's not the busy end of the park. So I would be east. So if we kind of shape the, the story for people who maybe have no clue about what we're talking about, mm -hmm. um, in central Ontario, Algonquin Park is like 
a, a frying pan. So it's kind of like a frying pan held up. So there's a narrow handle on the bottom, the southern mm -hmm. end. And that's where everybody goes. I, I don't know the number, but it's probably like 80% of all park users are on the frying pan, which is where the highway is. And it's the lodges and the day hikes and the, yeah. the campgrounds. And then the, the vast majority of the park, 90% of the geography has only a few limited northern, eastern, and western access points. So I'm on the east side, not very heavily used relative to the other end. Um, which means fishing's much better because it doesn't get hammered by all the campgrounders and the worm droppers. So it's yeah. it's really if if, you're, if people are going to get motivated to go and check out Brook Trout and Algonquin Park, you're going to go to the north side or the east side um, because that's just there's nobody there. It's really quiet. Okay, okay, that's good to know yeah. for sure. We'll definitely yeah. get more into that. It's yeah. cool that actually that Barren Canyon. That's where that's basically the only place I've ever gone in Algonquin Park and the Grand yeah, Lake nice and yeah so I'm super excited to talk about that but um yeah. let's start with how did you get into fly fishing and what's your fly fishing background so uh probably not a typical story I grew up in a dairy farm and everybody knows dairy farmers don't fish there's no fishing rods in our garage and um, it was just not even a part of my reality as a kid um and somehow along the way which was a longer story, but but I, I said that was no way it's going to be a farmer. That was just clearly not a good idea, working seven days a week, 365 days a year, multiple years in a row. That wasn't a plan for me. Um, <laughs> so I headed off to be, a, to be a canoe guide and a whitewater guide, and that was pulled out of the air. I never went on a canoe trip as a kid, right? I, I worked on the farm. Yeah. I, like, that, was my, that was my youth. Um, right. And it's like, man, there's got to be some funner ways to make a living than than milk and cows mm -hmm. and uh i just picked canoe tripping out of a hat and uh, and pursued that and I, I would say i still pursue that so i'm 50 years old now and it's the only job i've ever really done is being a either a river guide or a fishing guide um so at a, what was it maybe 18 i went to work at a kids camp as a as a canoe instructor and i knew nothing about it and 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 that was in the era when there's nothing to know right there's, there's nowhere yeah. to go to school in those yeah. days for that stuff so anyways turned into a whitewater guide got hooked on whitewater whitewater kayaking, whitewater rafting, whitewater canoeing, and then just traveled and and got to work all across Canada and in the United States. Um, this is attached to fishing here eventually. Uh, so I'm in Utah yeah. uh, doing famous multi-day raft trips through the canyons there. Hmm. And wow. so I'm a licensed raft guide, and a licensed river guide. And on my days off, I was doing these Monday to Fridays, and I'd have Saturday and Sunday off um, in Vernal, Utah, northeast corner of, of Utah. So I go... Um, I go knocking on doors and say, I've got the free weekend free. Do you need a guide? And I happened to go to Dutch John, which is a Flaming Gorge Green River section. No clue that it would happen to be the most right. famous tailwater in North America. Oh, man. And I just knocked on the door and said, hey, I'm a licensed guide. Do you need guides? And the guy's like, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> and I showed up at seven and he showed me where the drift boat was. And I rowed people down the river. And like I said, I was not a fisherman at all. Uh, but I knew rivers and, and I knew where the fish were going to be. And, yeah. and and as it turns out, the Flaming Gorge is, at that time, it was just ridiculously overstocked. Like, I was hitting fish with my oars in the eddies, you know? Like, oh, man. It, was, it seemed ridiculous to me. Like, this is a sport. It seems silly that... It's that so easy. They're, they're, yeah, we're kicking them out of the way to yeah. wade. Anyways, um, I was not a fly fisherman, right? It did not impress me at all. It's like, this is fine if this is what you guys want to do. I love rowing boats, and I love being on rivers, and that's... And the, honestly, that's still what I, I pursue is being on the rivers is what's so valuable. Yeah. Um, but I ended up spending, you know, a handful of days a year as my kind of days off my extra pickup work um, over five years. So ended up meeting a bunch of 
highly esteemed guides who gave fly fishing. And so um, the the uh, the motivation was was definitely not around fish. It was about running rivers, and I just figured it, figured it out along the way. So that was my intro. And and even then, I was happily a fishing guide and not a fly fisher. I didn't do it on my spare time. Yeah. And I was pretty dedicated to running rivers at that time. And you know, when you're 20 some years old, you're kind of linear in your world. So that's all I was kind of thinking about at that sure. time. I, I was the center of my own universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but kept traveling and, and ended up going to northern Ontario or sorry, northern British Columbia oh. for a, for an outdoor company again in Smithers, which also happens to be, you know, the the hot spot of, of northern British Columbia steelhead world. And I had no clue and walked into it and same story. I was a licensed British Columbia guide. It's like, do you guys need a raft guide for tomorrow? And they're like, Yep go on on these trips and I'd go as like the third raft just following the lead guide and he would pull us all over and said I was just a I was just running a boat yeah. but um, right. here we am in the most famous steelhead in the in the <laughs> northeast oh, yeah. northwest and I had no clue yeah. I had no clue but anyway that looked that looked more cool that's when I was getting oh I can see this right so we're in the mountains and it's real fish and it's it's was hard work the flaming gorge was easy work and it was it was ridiculous fishing there how easy it was where it was harder, and I was like, "Oh, I see the I see the allure here, and and also seeing these fanatics, right? So these steelhead fanatics steelhead guys, fishing yeah. there. Right. Um, it's like, oh, clearly there's a lot going on here that I'm only just scratching the surface of. Mm. Um, so that's when it really kind of keyed into me that there's there's probably something to pursue in this. At the yeah. same time, one of these guides um, said you should read the book The River Why. Did you guys ever read that book, The River Why? Oh, you I haven't read, read it, but I've heard about it. I've read it, but I heard about it. And yeah. that. Oh yeah, that that um, that's when it all came together. So it's a, it's a love story about a river, loving a river, and it's through fly fishing. But it's yeah. also kind of a coming of age story. Anyways, you got to read it. it it's it's yeah, classic it and it's uh, totally enjoyable. And it's like, oh man, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. So that that was many years into the guide world already that I finally took up fishing scene, um, yeah. and then eventually I come back. I come back east to Ontario, and I land in this college job. Mm-hmm. and um, which I've been doing for over 20 years now and I was like mm. okay I'm, I'm ready to learn this now and I'm and it's I kind of matured through my first kind of whitewater thrill-seeking world and it's like I just want to learn more about the rivers where I'm spending my time mm-hmm. and uh, and took up fishing and so that's been that's been kind of 10 years now per, really dedicated to it for 10 years but over that kind of transition nice. of you know 10 years transitioning out of the kind of thrill-seeking ath- athletic pursuing and pushing the boundaries to actually totally different perspective of trying to understand these rivers and the ecology and the three-dimensional part of I used to just float down the surface a two-dimensional yeah. two-dimensional experience and it was like oh my god looking back I missed so much what was going on under the water under the water that mm-hmm. I'm now you know still on this path of trying to learn more and more about it so yeah so that that's my story and and land in the Ottawa Valley and and Ottawa Valley has got it's got brook trout and it's got bass and it's got muskie. Yep. So those are the three things that I've been trying to learn about and, and try to get better at those things. And this kind of, it's, it's an amazing endless journey to figure all these little details out. So good. Right. Where was, so was the dairy farm East? So you did like East and then you went South Utah, West, and then back East kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. Nice. Cool. I am in my town. I grew up in. So I'm in so Pembroke, Ontario is where my farm was. And I hit the road saying, I'm not coming back. See you later. <laughs> yeah. And this, this college job opens up and there's not very many of these in the country, right? Yeah. These adventure guide training programs that I, I'm not sure being a local head of value or not on that, but it was not in the cards for me to be back in my hometown. Um, but when I landed here, it was certainly a case of, um, you know, I, I 
I'm going to, I'm going to live where I live. And, and I, and I took it to heart that I'm going to figure this place out and enjoy nice. what I've got here. I don't, I don't pine for those Smithers steelhead that I've never been back to fish steelhead for myself. That'd be cool to do, but I'm just committed to, to figuring out what I've got in my own backyard here. Yeah. I think that's a great way at looking at fly fishing in general too, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so much good water around where you are anyways. Like, geez. Yeah. 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 Lots and lots of rivers. How's so the musky you, fishing? Ooh. Muskie's super fun. It's, it is, it's so different. Um, the muskie fishing is really good is what it comes down to. It's mm-hmm. so good on that Eastern side of the park. And it's well known the Petawal river is what, what the kind of anchor river is there. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a couple spots that are um, in the whitewater section. It's really good because nobody fishes in the whitewater section. Yeah. And then at the top and the bottom of it, Lake Traverse is at the top and Lake McManus at the bottom, both accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, you can catch, you can reliably catch muskie, but in the whitewater section, scary. Those fish scare me. They're, they're <laughs> right. so scary. Yeah, they're so, so strong, right? Oh my gosh. The the park literature, I was just reading the, the fishing literature for the Algonquin Park for the day, and they, they still don't claim that they've got muskie over one meter. And last year I did three muskie trips with clients that it's definitely a niche little angle here. Yeah. On two of them, we caught four foot muskie. So 48 Jeez. inch muskie on two of those three trips. Wow. So, so scary. Uh, took 45 minutes to bring him to the boat yeah. and just fighting the whole time. I don't, I don't want to touch these things and get the freaking hook out of them. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to deal with them. Um, let alone, let alone try to line them up for a picture. I think it's super scary. It's super scary. <laughs> yeah. Those guys, their heads are so big. It's a head, they're, cool their head's the size of a big dog. Yeah. So scary. What was it about um, like rafting that got you hooked into it? Like, as you know, you said earlier, you were, you kind of just pulled it out of a, a hat, like, oh, maybe I'll try that. But what was it yeah. about the the rafting experience that made you stick around and, and then eventually get into teaching and, you know? Yeah, there's, it's, it was really, I, I sensed right away that, that rivers are just so powerful, just psychologically so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they spoke to me right away. And like I said, as a kid, I just didn't, I didn't have that interaction and, and to float in the current and stand in the current and swim out across an eddy line. It's like, Oh my God, there's, this is, this is the heart of the earth, not the heart. It's like the veins of the earth, you know, really that's what yeah. it is. Right. And, and I, I, and I still feel that every time I wade in the current is like, I'm standing in the middle of a functioning earth mm-hmm. and likewise interacting with these animals that live in this place. And it's, I, it's so powerful to me. I okay. sensed it as a self-centered 20 year old and, and which is, pretty powerful and we're now it really steers everything I do you know I'm so grateful for that feeling of floating in the current or the feeling of having the current push against my legs it's really really powerful and uh, my wife would say it grounds me and mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I use that word as much as I just really feel like I'm I feel like the earth living whenever I stand there you know it's kind of yeah. like I'm feeling its pulse so totally it's really powerful yeah when you bring a new angler or so maybe a friend that doesn't fish that's something they always remark upon is the first time they step Waiting a river, whether it be in waders or not, they're like, "Whoa, what a weird sensation!" Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, there, there's always a pause there. Well, yeah. the the pulse of it's cool way to say it because I feel the exact. Yeah. I've always yeah. felt the exact same way. Skinny dipping in uh, Grand Lake in Algonquin Park, uh, <laughs> all, right. all those years ago when yeah. I used to go there year after year, <laughs> it's just such a great experience. How did you get into Algonquin Park? Like, how did that whole thing start? Well, that's just committed, committed to my home. Right. And, and that's, that's, and Brook Trout, I, I think Brook Trout are beautiful. It, it's of everything I've seen, they're still the most spectacularly beautiful fish. Um, and, and it's just where it's where I live. So in order to, mm-hmm. you look on a map and, and I'm not going to give away my super secret spots, but all you need mm-hmm. to do is look at how the watersheds drain 
And the higher upstream you can go, the better the brook trout fishing is. That's, that's the deal. So if you look at the big map of, of Algonquin Park and put a pin in the middle, that's where the fishing is going to be best. And the further you get from that pin, the less it is. So that's just my, my, my um, pursuit of moving upstream to find better and better fishing. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's pretty reliable that way. The, the deeper into the park you can get, fewer, fewer people. Higher elevation, colder water, better habitat, all around. And, and as yeah. you go out, it, the rivers get bigger, they get warmer. Yeah. There's bass and pike and everything else to interfere with what used to be brook trout water. Um, bass are totally introduced to this region. Um, yeah. um, so it would have all been native brook trout at one time, but uh, as things are warming up and, and the, 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 the climates, we are affecting the climate to uh, conspire against brook trout. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you remember your first trip into Algonquin Park? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and they would have been originally just straight out canoe trips, probably not even bringing a fishing rod, like I said, in those mm-hmm. early days. But my first right. dedicated fishing trip when I went into Algonquin Park to find Brook Trout, totally remember it. Yeah. Um, and, and lucked into a 14-inch, totally healthy, beautiful, speckled Brook Trout. Nice. nice. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow, this is amazing. And, and that's... It, that's pretty good brook trout for southern the world you know i think if, if folks are, oh, are sure. spend their time on youtube and they see brook trout that's all from labrador or mm-hmm. up north they're huge there that's a different story but mm-hmm. uh, these are a big a big fish out of algonquin park would be in the 18 inch range kind of thing and, and a more typical one's 10 and 9 inch you know that's yeah. the standard version so uh, my first my first my first experience of whacking in these little these little streams because i have no interest in, in lake fishing there's a lots and lots of Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of lake fishing. That's not my thing at all. But going and exploring these little streams and I happen to catch a good fish, I was like, oh man, I'm going to go and explore all these streams because yep. there's got to be more of these. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. What were your first kind of like uh, like um, uh, thoughts about Algonquin Park when you paddled in those those first uh, few trips? Well, it's it's a really magical spot and it, it captures so many people's hearts. There, there's yeah. people who will spend a whole lifetime outdoors and go nowhere else. It's it's huge. Mm-hmm. First off, um, what is it? It's seven, almost 8,000 square kilometers. That's like what, 6,000 square miles. So, so wow. it's a huge, and nobody lives in that, right? So just yeah. to give your listeners some context here, it's like, that's, that's big as Prince Edward Island, bigger than Prince Edward Island, which is a Canadian province. It's bigger than a handful of the small states. Um, and nobody lives there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's <laughs> not exactly wilderness. It's, there's logging, um, there's some summer camps and there's some lodges and so on, but it's nobody's home. And it's a massive chunk yeah. of land to drive from one side to the other, kind of across the north side, outside the park. But it, it takes three hours to drive from one edge to the other. It's, it's a huge chunk of land. So uh, for that reason, it's really magical. Big lakes, pine forests, granite outcropping. So iconic images of Canada. You know, you, you could show anybody a what we would have our group of seven painters from the from the way back early 1900s they painted these iconic images of that landscape yeah. literally from Algonquin Park and and that's that's what many people see when they when they look at Algonquin Park they see those mm-hmm. historic images of it so um but big big clean water quiet pine forests all around and, and wildlife every trip every trip you go in there you see moose or bear and and they're just doing their own thing and they don't care at all what we're, you're concerned about um it's really a magical spot for that. It's really big, open. I think some people would climb mountains to get that sense of yeah. you know, smallness yeah. and, and really to see the world. And, and I think you could also go into Algonquin Park and get that same sense of 
smallness and the smallness, world, yeah. the, the earth is running without us. And, yeah. and this is what it looks like when we're not around. It's really yeah. pretty powerful. Yeah. That's my favorite feeling when I'm, when I'm camping or doing yeah. a canoe trip is that smallness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's funny you say that's cause that, that's the, like basically the only experience I've had in Algonquin park to date have been in, uh, in that Acre kind of access point, Grand Lake and Barron Canyon. And I remember the first time going there and going up through Barron Canyon and we hiked up the, the hill there, the outlook. And it was just like, holy crap, like this is crazy. Like, and it's very accessible. Like it wasn't that long of a drive from, we were in, uh, you know, Canada, which is, you know, in near Ottawa, Ontario. And um, yeah, it was, uh, it was just like, wow, not a long drive. And we're in like pretty wild place, you know? And then Grand Lake itself was beautiful and a quick paddle and you're into like some serious streams and, like the streams yeah. I think you're talking about. And yeah, it's just such a beautiful yeah. place. There's a, there's a short hike to overlook on the Barren Canyon, which is a big vertical walled canyon. Mm-hmm. What is 200 meters deep or something. Um, you just oh. drive about another 400 meters up the road and there's a little parking area on the left and there's a little Creek there with brook trout. Oh, no way. Really? <laughs> See, I didn't know that. Yeah. See, I didn't uh, know yeah. I had no idea. Oh uh, yeah. I yeah. was like, we were catching walleye and stuff like that in the, in the Barren Creek, uh, yeah. Barren river kind of thing. Um, yeah. and we caught some walleye and stuff like that, but geez, I didn't know there's brook trout that close. <laughs> yeah. 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 We always do high falls. That was, well, oh. Gongo's a magical place, right? Yeah. It's like, it's a good point about the group of seven. It's a, yeah. mm-hmm. it's a romanticized wilderness, you yes. know, it's yeah. a reflection of Canada itself. Yeah. Like in, in our, yeah. in our culture, like it's an important part. Yeah. yeah. It's an, it's, it's, it's one of its oldest, right? Yeah, it's it's it was a, a provincial park in 1893. There was there was a national Banff National Park, which is our other iconic one, was was like two years before. Mm. Um, so there, that was the first national park, and then this is a provincial park. Um, so it's it was actually it was set aside. So while we're talking about wilderness, back in those days, so this is so 1893. There's hardly any population above the the Toronto region and the Quebec city, Montreal, basically along the St. Lawrence river and the great lakes, but there's places still crawling with, with lumbermen cutting down the big old pine trees and sending them off to market. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the park was actually set aside to protect those headwaters because it was being well pummeled by, by the logging. Um, mm. And it's the, the park is because it's a height of land and it's a headwaters for six different rivers. So it was set aside for that purpose that it's going to protect that region. Um, now it didn't exclude logging, and logging still continues to that day. Although, as a as a, a recreation user, you probably wouldn't even notice that mm-hmm. they, they do a pretty good job of keeping it away from any of the, the paddling routes or any of the recreation corridors. Um, hmm. But it was it was ultimately set aside as a as a preserve for those rivers, um, and it's probably quieter now than it was in the old days. Yeah, there used to be a there you, it doesn't you don't have to dig very far into the history that in those early days when the park was built and the railroad line they put two railroad lines through it and there was all sorts of lodges um a lot that along those railroad lines and, oh, really? and people would take the train from toronto and from new york and from philadelphia and go and stay at these lodges for two weeks or a month in the summer oh. to get out of the pollution and the the, the industrial revolution happening yeah and, and there was a whole guiding culture attached to these lodges the, these guys hmm. spent their whole careers living at these lodges and, and summer taking the sports as they called them. in those days, it wasn't, it wasn't a derogatory term, it kind of a little bit derogatory these days. Um, but taking the sportsmen on, on brook trip or lake trout fishing, probably more lake trout was famous for those big lakes. Yeah. Um, and then in the winter they would, they would trap and they would take care of cut firewood and take care of the lodge and do all that jazz. These are like, 
these are, are big 80 room lodges, you know, what, what we oh, wow. look back at the kind of the great Gatsby style yeah. era where they'd have live bands on, on, on the deck. And it's, it's a totally amazing piece of history. And they slowly either burned down mm-hmm. or whenever <laughs> the roads opened up and, uh, and road travel kind of replaced it and t- became day trips. It was, it was, it, it changed the whole dynamic that people didn't need to stay overnight. They could drive from Toronto and back in a day or drive from Ottawa and back in a day. Or, yeah. Um, so that, that really, it, it's really, um, it looks, it looks probably quieter now than it used to be. Yeah. That really does sound like quite an adventure. Like imagine hopping on a train to come from New yeah. York to here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To spend yeah. a month in a in a like a Great Gatsby Lodge in the wilderness. Crazy. That, that sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. It, it moved up the, the whole story of history of guiding, which which is really that's where I spend my my world, my my whole work world is it, the the original guiding happened out of New York. There's all sorts of tribe fishing happening in, in what was Manhattan Island and before it was a city and yeah. hard to imagine now. And and those folks went up into the Adirondacks and they were basically knock out what they cat skills first. Mm-hmm. And then when the Catskills got logged out and, and, and fished out and the base of the habitat changed, they headed up to the Adirondacks and they would just knock on the, the farmers or the colonists doors and say, Hey, can we stay in your barn for the night? And these little lodges sprung up overnight and farmers realized pretty quick they can make a good living guiding yeah. deer hunting and, and, and fishing. Right. And then the Adirondacks got logged out and, and habitat changed. And these folks just moved North and they moved either up to North of Quebec, the Laurentides, or else they moved over to Algonquin park. Yeah. And whenever mm-hmm. they moved through Algonquin Park, then it moved up into the Nipigon region. And that's whenever the, the kind of famous Nipigon guiding world's happening. Oh. Back at the turn of the, that's amazing. 1900, yeah. the year 1900, there is, there is about 40 full-time fishing guides on the Nipigon River. Hmm. Wow. So that's, that's way more than today. Full-time. That's probably <laughs> 10 times more than today. Yeah, yeah um, definitely. A remarkable idea. They did steamship across the Great Lakes and go and stay at a lodge on the Nipigon and fish for these, these you know, world, world record Brook trout that were living in there. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Jeez, that's wild. Team ship across the Great Lakes. I know. <laughs> and a lot of these, a lot of these were indigenous people. So the guides yeah. the, in in Canada, the first guides were all indigenous, and, right, and right. they called them native guides. That was that was the word, and that's the one you wanted, right? You want the native guides because they were the locals yeah. and they knew how to hunt and fish and they could take care of you. Now it wasn't, it wasn't guiding like we would call it today. So today it's all about customer service and and. Mm-hmm. you know full full service with meals and taking care of people and teaching and in those days it's like yo buddy jump in the canoe and i'll show you where you're going to fish and it's up to you to catch something you know yeah. it's a bit of it well some some of that still exists today quite frankly from yeah. the guiding world but uh the the mature as the industry's matured it's much more about a customer service and an experience that's being yeah. sold as opposed to just i'm going to take you to where the fish are and it's up to you to catch the fish. well and also right. make sure that you don't exactly. die back then you know it's like yeah i'll make sure i have a i'll, I'll scare the bears off if we're going to get attacked yeah. right <laughs> it's crazy how like we talk about you know algonquin park being that experience like um back in the day it was like such a wild thing like you're saying to come from say new york or toronto to algonquin park but those lodges yeah. that's crazy though those lodges existed yeah. i had no idea that yeah. people were staying in 80 person you know full out yeah. like it sounds like, like a luxury lodge in a way yeah, luxury lodge in the middle of in the middle of the wilderness. Yeah, um, and people would bring their tuxedos for dinner and 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 then they go out in the day with their with their guides and canoe around or horseback to to different ponds and do their Jeez. do their fishing story and then come back for the evening drinks. Jeez, that's crazy. Yeah. That's pretty good. I, I do that. I do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was say, yeah, we should recreate this. Like, that sounds like I do both. Good. I like. I think. I think both the. Uh, both experiences sound pretty good to me. Yeah, absolutely. It, but yeah. also, 
well, guess... a little bit of wine and dine, a little bit of red red wine uh, <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, I guess now yeah. though, it's like Algonquin Park really is much more of a wild kind of trip, right? Like if people are expecting to go yeah. to Algonquin Park, what what can they expect? Like a camping trip, a paddle trip, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, the the real way to the the modern interpretation of Algonquin Park is to do a canoe trip, and there's yeah. there's outfitters there that can take care of you top to bottom, guided mm-hmm. trips, or you could just go and rent. You can rent the rent your canoe and your tent, and you don't need to necessarily own any of that stuff. So mm-hmm. you could have a a two night long weekend intro to Algonquin Park and do it yourself, quite frankly, if you're up for it. And even, even then using those those short trips, staying pretty close to the road, you'd still get a real sense of the awesomeness of the place. And you wouldn't necessarily be alone. You'd see other people paddling by you on the lakes, but but it would still be, certainly compared to our American listeners, it would just be a fraction of what you think of when we talk about people being around yeah you would mm-hmm. see bodies but you wouldn't talk to anybody and you would yeah. you would be on your own and that sense of the sense of wilderness certainly would come on you just need to get a couple hours away from the road and you'll feel that like start to get into the back country and you're you're pretty remote at that point Whew. oh yeah yeah oh yeah there's <laughs> yeah, if you've got five days you can get basically the five-day canoe trip without knowing any whitewater skills at all you're prepared to walk around all the rapids and all the portages are well marked and maintained there's a whole crew of students student jobs are every summer taking care of those things so two and a half days can get you up into the middle of the park the heart of the park where the real awesome fishing is and then you get two and a half days your way back out yeah it's crazy man it's so cool i mean i know we kind of we've jumped around the history a little bit but I, i know um tom thompson was a he was like a park ranger was he not he worked like actually for the park he was park ranger, and in the old days, guides were licensed. So he was he was one of the first licensed guides. So in really? the earliest generation, yeah. So <laughs> that was right at the turn of the century. Um, so he was a famous painter living a dirtbag painter lifestyle who would pick up these ranger jobs, which basically means he was going off to clear these portage trails and and take care of more or less the, the labor. Mm-hmm. And, and then he became a licensed fishing guide out of one of those early lodges, which was on, I think it was Canoe Lake was, was where he was working out of. I don't right. remember his exact story. He's kind of on the west side near Huntsville. So Huntsville's the, the main jumping mm-hmm. off point from that west side. And it's a real functioning big town, small city. Yeah. Um, yep. And that was kind of the, the anchor that you take the train to Huntsville and then jump on the next train that goes in through the park. Uh, those trains are primarily around moving logs, but but they had a, a, a function to get people in and out for, to these big lodges. So all the development was all along the railroad line. You just had to get off the and then the roads went where the railroad lines were. Yeah, um, right. And then uh, and the, the road then replaced the train. It's so cool to imagine Tom Thompson like in the backwoods clearing portage trails and then like yeah. setting up an easel and painting yeah. like a masterpiece. Yeah. Like what a place! Yeah. Like what a <laughs> yeah. place to explore. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah, there's a there's a museum. The Tom Thompson Museum is in Perry Sound, which is his family his family home where he grew up, and mm. it is the walls are covered in his his style. One of the things that he was quite radical and when he pioneered was he would basically do his rough painting on a piece of plywood or a piece of driftwood or whatever he could find. That's cool. And and in the old, in that time, people would sketch on paper and roll it up and take it home and and then turn it into a painting. Where he just painted. He just could grab, grab whatever's around and he painted what he saw. Yeah. So on that, in his museum, there's all sorts of just chunks of plywood and like soap boxes and cardboard with his, with his priceless paintings on them now. So, <laughs> so crazy, man. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. convinced, I'm convinced that the painting, the West Wind, I'm convinced I stood exactly where he stood and, and looked yeah. at what he looked at when he painted it. But I feel like that's maybe all Algonquin Park because 
you know, an hour later yeah. you're, you're paddling. You're like, that kind of looks like it too. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's still pretty yeah. cool. Uh, that, that spots on grand Lake. So, yes. so your skinny dipping adventure with taking your way by there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that tree is long gone. Yeah. Um, the actual it's, it's a famous painting of a leaning tree that's been yeah, kind of wind beat yeah. on this rocky point, but you can find the rocky point and you can line it up with the, with the horizon line in the distance, even though the tree's gone. So yep. I think that might be exactly um, where it was. Cause yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, you, there's amazing. there's an observatory uh, in Algonquin Park, right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. So, any any it, amazing sightings or? Um, they're listening there, so so it's it's, it's radio, a right? huge satellite dish pointed yeah. up into the heavens, and the reason it's it's there is because it's it's dark and and cell cell free. There's no cell coverage anywhere in, in the park, yeah. uh, so it's just basically a quiet place. So there's it's a research facility that's not open to the public at all but when you paddle on lake traverse or you do the petawawa trip yeah. as you kind of get out on the lake you look back and see this massive satellite dish way above the trees pointing up in the sky it's oh, totally wow. incongruous uh <laughs> totally bizarre um but it sure makes you think it's like wow that'd be pretty cool to be listening to the stars in yeah. the middle of algonquin park oh, but, that'd be a pretty cool that'd research be, job pretty oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. great job yeah, yeah. Jeez. Great job. Yeah. So, so far, so far, I don't think they've heard anything. But nothing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not that they're telling us. Eh? Yeah. Um, okay. So, Algonquin Fly Fishing um, is your company's name, yeah? Yeah, that's right. And yeah. uh, and and how long has that been around for? So I've been so so in my Algonquin College job here, having summers off, so taking up fly fishing. Um, Everybody kind of knew as the fly fishing guy, and in the I'm attached to the tourism world. So if somebody come through like looking for a guide, they would just direct them to me. And I had this totally non-legit, non-licensed business running for a while of taking people out casually guiding, and uh, and it just got busy enough that it's like you know what, there's clearly some business yeah. here. And so that's six years. It's been a business and and running kind of at a nice. full time status for three years. The last three summers have been pretty busy, as in as busy as I want to be. And I hire a couple guides throughout the summer that, that do pick up work with me. Yeah, it's great. So heart of summer is bass. Um, yeah. Spring and fall is, is brook trout. Um, the heart of summer, it could do brook trout, but that's lake fishing. They, they leave the rivers. The rivers get low and they get warm. So they all go to the lakes. I'm just not interested in that, but clearly yeah. you could still catch them there. But anyways, the bass fishing is really, really fun. Yeah. It's, I would do it out of a drift boat, out of a whitewater raft with a fishing frame on it. So mm -hmm. um, it's a day floating in the current, casting into the eddies. It's it's super fun and super giggly and can take a beginner and they can catch 30 bass one day. Yeah. Many of them are pretty substantial in size. So it's really, true. really fun. Yeah, the brook trout is a little more dedicated. I wouldn't, if a beginner called and said, I want to go and learn to fly fish and catch brook trout, I'd say I would direct them elsewhere for a little while. And once they're fishing, we can come and catch brook trout because you'll, you'll cast a lot. Yeah. If the density is low for brook trout, you know, you'll cast a lot and only catch a couple of fish. Whereas brook trout, the, sorry, the bass, the density is really high and, and mm -hmm. you can catch a whole bunch in a day. And oh, a yeah. lot of fun. Super yeah. fun. Yeah. Big smallies. Yeah. Yeah. Big smallies early in the year. If, uh, so, so walleye, walleye, what we call pickerel around here, but they're walleye. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> that'll open the end of may and and that's fine you can catch those on a fly and but you're you're kind of getting into bass at that time it's the same flies and they're in the same sections of the river so yeah. you're kind of you're kind of getting really aggressive bass because they're just coming off their spawn and then our spawn at the official brook uh, sorry the official bass season starts the the end of june but all through june when you're fishing walleye you end up catching big bass but yeah. the early stuff is really big fun fun big four pound fish that'll that'll oh, yank nice. you all over and have fun yeah 
surface oh, yeah. or, surface or, or the, whether you're going to do poppers or, or big foamies or you can do the kind of divers. You can dredge the bottom too if you need to. If it's a muddy, rainy day, you can send mm-hmm. the, the, the um, you know, brown woolly bugger with legs, send it to the bottom, and they'll, they'll chase those. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you have a yep. favorite season, like a favorite time to go yourself? Uh, my favorite is is the end of brook trout season, which is April 29th. So that last week, because they're turning red and yeah. and they're fat and they're they're getting ready to spawn, so they're aggressive. And those are that's when that's when historically you catch fewer and bigger. Oh yeah. Because the little guys are out of the way, they're hiding because the big boys are playing, and, and those are <laughs> ones you can catch. Yeah. So it's not uncommon to catch several several in a day that are all over 15 inch you know in the 15 and 20s and they're they're heavy and they fight and they're really really fun oh man you know, that's my favorite oh, by far yeah i wish our, i wish our season extended a little longer i don't know the biology that much to know exactly when they're spawning but um i would i would love to get a couple more weeks of that before before it gets turned off mm-hmm. yeah yeah geez oh, big red rookies oh my god in the middle of algonquin how long did it take yeah. you to like find all, all your fishing spots like i I imagine you spent a few years, obviously, yeah. uh, oh. a little while, like learning the whole. Oh yeah, for sure. Know. Yeah, for sure. That that's, and, and yeah, for sure. And it's still an ongoing story. And brook trout are so hit or miss. You you can have a great day mm-hmm. it, with with catching two dozen, and then you can be skunked three days later in the same stretch of water. Mm-hmm. So there, there's some there's some fickleness to them that I don't particularly understand, and that's what all the kind of local guys would tell that same story. Mm-hmm. Um, the bait fishermen on the, the lakes, whatever, whatever, that's, you know, dip it in power bait and they'll eventually find your worm. But, um, but as far as fly fishing goes, it's a little more fickle. Um, yeah, it took a long time to find the right spots. And I, and I think I'm on, I'm kind of into a new area, which is a little bit of a longer drive from home, but it's been really good. So, so all of last summer and, and this spring is where I've been driving a little further to get from home, but I've uh, been having really fun fishing it. That's wicked, man. Endless. So- I- I, honestly, it's endless. I, I'm gonna. I'm happy to to go hiking in rivers. I, I have another twenty years of this to do easily. Yeah, you could just explore. Like it is yeah. huge, eh? Algonquin Park. I mean, oh, geez. Yeah. Oh yeah, huge. Like it's so easy yeah. to spend seasons there, and I mean, even if you just stay in the same spot for three years, you're you, then you you're just good. get to know it. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So how do, how about your your job at Algonquin um, College? So you, I guess you're you're teaching the outdoor adventure program. Do you take uh, your students yeah. and stuff into the into the park? Yeah, so we do. We'll do our canoe stuff. Goes. We'll go into the park. Um, maybe a little bit. The, the watershed. So the Petawawa and the Madawaska are the two primary watersheds, and we use those rivers quite mm-hmm. a bit. And then the Ottawa, which is where they both drain into the Ottawa River itself, right. uh, which is the where the big white water is, is on that river. So we're definitely in Algonquin Park for for backpacking because there's some backpacking routes in there, and for yeah. our canoe trips. Yeah. Oh, the Madawaska, man! What a great river too. I, that's another river I need oh, yeah. to spend more time on. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, that's, that's, nice a, that's a great one. Way up high, it's, it's got brook trout up high in the park. And then as it yeah. comes out of the park, it's great, easy whitewater, a great whitewater canoe trip that anybody could hack mm-hmm. their way down and have fun. And because it's whitewater, it means there's nobody fishing it. You know, the, the, the worm plunkers don't go down below a rapid. And and you just take a few rap, get through a few rapids, and you have great bass fishing in the heart of summer. Walleye and bass is really yeah. good. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. awesome. Madawaska, yeah. Yeah. so good. So do you yeah. see people like um, in your in your class, like amongst your students, what kind of students do you get? It's just like people that are like, oh, I want to try whitewater rafting. Um, huge range. Yeah, huge range. So yeah. we get folks there. There's really we're, we're our program 
super skills intensive, lots of outdoor days. We're, we're, there's really only th we're one of three in the country that does what we do. So there's one in Gaspé oh, wow. doing it in French. Oh, there's wow. one in British Columbia that's basically focused on mountain guiding, and then we're kind of more of the jack of all trades, yeah. um, doing a little bit of everything. So we'll get folks from Nova Scotia, we get folks from Saskatchewan, we get folks from from all across the, the heartland of Quebec and Ontario. So mm -hmm. all sorts of, we get some folks coming in the doors as dedicated terrain park snowboarders, and they want to build their chops to manage a terrain park, you know, that's their dream job. And, yeah. and we can we cover that kind of stuff. We get the people who are canoe trippers. Mm -hmm. uh, we get people coming up from all different directions. Lots of there, there's a lot of young people who are into fly fishing. Yeah. So mm -hmm. this is what so I've been doing it 20, 21 years at the college. Um, mm -hmm. Nobody fly fished 10 years ago. And now so these are all between 18 and 25 ish, yeah. generally in that kind of age range. So now in a, in a, in a certain year, in any given year, I'll, I'll have about 50 first years and five to 10 of them will fly, will fly fish regularly. Wow. So, oh, wow. so no way. yeah, isn't that an interesting, isn't that an interesting evolution? Yeah. Um, young women fly fishing. Yeah. So, so it's totally okay for, for a 22 year old girl to take it up on her own, sometimes picking it up by themselves or sometimes raised through a family and they're bringing it with them. But um, yeah, when I was when I started to learn how to fly fish, I was the only um, male in my class. Oh, nice! There you Out go. of a bunch of people. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah gonna... So, so that that's fun. That that with the with I'm happy to to bring these students along, and we'll go. And I I put out a call. And it's like, hey, tomorrow I'm going exploring. If yeah. you can be at my house at six thirty in the morning, we'll go and find somewhere cool to fish. That's so fun. That's awesome. Drag these guys around and fall. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. If there's any listeners yeah. uh, listening that are thinking about college, uh, geez. <laughs> that sounds pretty good to me, yeah. man. Like, wish I had a. Well, now I'm thinking of going back. <laughs> I know, I was thinking about that. <laughs> I'm like, <"Ooh." laughs> that sounds yeah. awesome, man. Um, yeah. So in Algonquin Park, it's cool that you're seeing like more young people get into it, um, just in general, especially in the program. Uh, in the park itself, do you see like a big fly fishing culture, or is it? Because I know it's paddling is a huge, obviously yeah. a huge part of Algonquin Park's just culture. But are you mm -hmm. seeing more fly yeah. anglers around and getting a sense of that? Um. I, I don't think so. There, there's, there's a underground fly fishing thing going on there, yeah. but you don't see anybody anyways. Right. Uh, in the spring, which is, which is when the most, the most fishing goes on is the month of May, whenever the park opens and the ice out, the water's cold and the lakes are easy to fish for brook trout. Right now you can catch brook trout in a lake really easily because you're on the surface where it's warm. Yeah. Um, right. So, so really busy this time of year. Occasionally you would see somebody fly fishing, not that common, but I have a network of, you know, my fly fishing buds, which we have all explored different areas of the park, which is kind of how we kind of met each other, not necessarily bumped into each other, but, oh, you fish in the park too, and I've never seen you, where do you go? And we kind of share what, what entries we use and where, where we end up spending our time. So there's a, there's a small underground fly fishing scene going on. I don't think there's more. And the reason I'd say this is there is a hunt and fishing store here in town. And they carry a, a small rack of flies, yeah. and uh, some of those flies are pretty dusty. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I don't think that there's a lot of new action from that perspective. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Honestly, uh, we'll see. I've um, I'm doing a show with Colin McEwen with the the new fly fisher. Yeah. Um, right on. He he was yeah he was happy to do he he too had not done anything in Algonquin Park and he was happy to to have a, an access point a way to get in. Yeah. We were actually supposed to do it tomorrow. Oh no way! But everything's locked down and the park's closed, so oh, we couldn't do it. So damn. anyways, we're, we're we're we've pushed it back to September of this year, so we're going to do it. Okay. That um, that that's good. And I, I 
there's so much geography there's room for everybody i feel no territorialism around this at yeah, all right. um it's such a massive place and it's fish stocks like, too like fish are still like there's a lot of fish there like you haven't oh, noticed yeah. declines oh, yeah. or anything there, yeah yeah so so here's the deal anybody looking at a map and there, there's a great map available for free online it's algonquin park map dot com or dot ca i don't remember it is yep. incredibly detailed it shows fish species per lake etc etc so there's brook trout and almost all of them but here's the deal is every lake dumps into a little narrow or a little stretch of river that dumps into the next lake right it's just it's there's like sixteen thousand lakes or something in algonquin park of various pond <laughs> sizes to big so crazy. Yeah. crazy but they all they're all connected by streams so canoe yourself across one of these lakes and you park yourself at the mouth where these little streams dump in and you just swing streamers or or drift or you can use indicators and drift it right down the heart of this stuff um but that's where the fish are hanging out and and in the early, like dawn and dawn and dusk, even on a hot day, they, they still come into the rapids because it's oxygenated water and there's a bit right. of Think about it, this big this big lake, it's the drain for this big lake. It's full of food for them. Yeah. So whether it's bug food yeah. or whether it's minnow food, and for the record, most, the brook trout, as soon as they get any size at all, over a two-year brook trout, they're going to be chasing minnows. They don't do bugs anymore. So it's not a real, it's not a real bug scene. Um, it's much more, much more uh, successful if you're swinging streamers where you're everywhere you're going. Yeah. Um, so every single one of those lakes empties out somewhere, and that's what you fish. And, okay. And, and therefore, you've got fifteen thousand lakes, and each of them have an exit, and they that's fifteen thousand spots to go fishing. Jesus, <laughs> that's awesome. I know it's so weird. Yeah, eh? That's that's God. funny even to hear about Colin. Like yeah. Colin saying he hasn't fished because he because he's from like where we're from, Aldo and I. And yeah. it's crazy that we haven't spent that much time in Algonquin Park. I mean. It's it just seems yeah. so weird that because it's so close, you know. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. I don't. I have no answer yeah. for why we haven't, you know, done more of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's just so much to yeah. explore, I guess, in Ontario in general. But Algonquin Park, I mean, for yeah. people either yeah. in the U.S. or from other provinces, like check it out. And that's some good advice if people yeah. are planning on on taking a trip yeah. up here. Yeah, that's crazy, man. The musky thing definitely gets me yeah. intrigued. Yeah, yeah, I'm very Mus intrigued. About musky that. in yeah. Algonquin Park would be cool. Yeah, meter size yeah, so musky. There's, Two, there's two so so if someone calls me and these are there's these mask there's these fly fishing musky fanatics out there right yeah it's we'll, a cult, it's a, oh, cult. Yeah, it's, it's a cult so yeah so i've got a couple i've been i because of our covid scene right now i've not been taking any deposits for summer trips but i've got three or four different groups who are specifically want to come and do musky um and and will either motor, I have an option to, I have a 14 foot aluminum boat as well as a drift boat. So I have an option to bomb in some of these lakes because there's a few motor boat allowed lakes in Algonquin Park. Yep. Most of them is non-motorized, but as it turns out, the musky water is all motor accessible. So it can motor across Lake Traverse and get down to the exit of Lake Traverse, which is where um, it's pretty reliable to catch fish in there. Um, oh, wow. Pretty reliable to catch big fish and it's certainly, and then the beauty of having a motor boat is we can fish right till dark and then, yeah. And then bomb back out and, and make it home. You know, we still be home yeah. by by nine p.m. or whatever. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, back to Pembroke. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, it's actually it's I would say it's pretty easy musky fishing. So surface fishing is really easy. So I tie these big ugly poppers that just make noise. Like not not the not the um, perfect pop pop bass popper. It's just like drags through the water and just mm. is disgusting, right? And it just yeah. moves water. Musky are territorial and they say, what the hell's in my territory? Yeah. And they come and try to eat it. That's, yeah. that's what they do. So <laughs> um uh, and, and Matt, yeah, huge it's our our success rate, it's it's kind of along the lines of they take a big slash at it to see what it is and you just keep moving it and then they come back and destroy it. 
So you get yeah. this one exciting slash, like, oh, hang on. Within 10 seconds, oh, they do man. the big, just, and they do these big 90 degree, they come up and turn 90 degrees in the air and smash back down and just take off. So, so except the big guys, those big guys don't even know they're hooked. And then it, you have to somehow <laughs> convince them. You end up dragging the boat back to where they are because they just go on living their life and you, you've got to, you've got to hook somewhere inside them. Oh man. Uh, so good. Yeah. I love it. That would, that would be ideally, a fun trip. ideally for me is whenever you get them to the boat and then they, they do this last fight, it works out well whenever they just bend the hook straight and then you don't need to friggin' mess with it. Yeah. Yeah. Mouth. So, so I kind of, I'm happy to do it. Yeah. Keep lots of attention on it and hopefully they'll just destroy the hook at the boat and then you can, yeah. Yeah. You can that's it. Jeez. Yeah. And camping in Algonquin park and yeah, fly fishing for muskie. That sounds like something that's got to happen eventually. <laughs> yes. Super cool. I guess you do day trips and over and multi-day trips. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. So oh, okay. that's right. So that, that, that Pedawawa, Traverse McManus. It's a classic canoe trip, but we do it in the raft as as a as a drift boat. Yeah. Um, and you fish you fish bass all through the upper. So basically, the first day you get musky, and then we kind of leave into bass territory, and then the last three days, and we can kind of do it as a four day trip. Uh, the last two days are are, are musky again, and that's where we're in the middle of the rapids where nobody gets to fish them. So it's really gentle whitewater, and there's only one what I call real rapid, which takes a little bit of skill to deal with everything else is fairly straightforward kind of the the montana style rolly river going around the corners and it's just beautiful yeah. beautiful spot but um the river will go down and, and kind of go over a gravel bar and do it hit the bank and do a 90 degree turn and then go same thing over a gravel bar hit the bank and do a 90 degree turn well in all of these banks on the outside is a musket sitting in these rocks oh yeah um, hmm. And, and so you can just, they're all, every one of these turns has a muskie in it. So it's really reliable to just come down and cast to this outside. And not that, don't want to get the impression you're catching 10 muskie a day, but you sure. get action on your fly all the time. So yeah. they're always coming up to see what's going on. And right. you so they're not as elusive. Yeah, that's right. Not as elusive. They don't see very much. And and yeah. they I don't think they can afford to be choosy. And it's the same with the, with the brook trout is, the density of brook trout's not really high, but they can't afford to be choosy. Yeah. They, they've got to consider everything as food, and that makes them right. relatively easy to catch. So and the right. same with these muskie that um, that they don't see a whole lot of flashy stuff come by their face. So they're really pretty intrigued whenever they whenever it comes by them. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. That makes sense. Oh. Total sense. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. The other one, my kid is, um, we, we've, as a family, you know, I have two boys, and, and we've, we're outdoors families can imagine but we do a, a pedal river trip and they've done it every year since they've been newborn babies and cool. uh, whenever my one guy was seven at one of these one of these corners on his fly rod with a red woolly bugger pulls up a little bass yeah eight inch bass and what do you think's following the eight inch bass yeah big musky yeah, big takes musky. down <laughs> the eight inch bass right oh, bass no. is gone oh, right man. swallows the bass and here's the look on this kid's eye. So he's totally freaked out about musky. He doesn't want to catch a musky ever again because here he is, <laughs> eight, right in front of him, ate his bath and just went down under the boat and then we couldn't move him, right? Yeah. So he was just going to hang out under that boat and he's on his little five weight rod. Yeah. So it's just Not bent, bent under the boat. We couldn't do anything. We tried everything to row and scare him, try to get the fish to move and eventually came up, saw how big his head was, another one of these big dog sized heads yeah. and immediately snipped the line because it's just like, well, we didn't, <laughs> even, we didn't <laughs> even have a net. We didn't even have a net that would be close to dealing with this yeah. thing, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. anyways. Yeah. Not dealing anyways, with that. After that, after that, it's been targeting musky the whole way. I've been targeting musky the whole way down the river now since then. Yeah. Right? Well, clearly, every one of these corners has got a big fish in it, so we're going to chase them. Oh, my God. What a scene. Oh, man. I love that. The musky the musky taking the smaller fish. It's a classic. Oh, man. Is your son, like, hooked now, or is he, is he like, really totally yeah. scared of just musky? He's like, I don't want to do anything. 
he's spooked about muskies, but yeah. he's definitely into fly fishing. Bass season when it opens, he's yeah. super excited about that because oh. it's easy and he catches big fish and he has a good time with it. So yeah, uh, mostly not flies, mostly fly fishing. But I, as a dad, I'm, I keep the door open. It's like whatever he wants to do and try to keep him catching fish is really the point, right? It's, yeah. mm-hmm. If there's no fish, he's not. It's, he loses interest pretty quick. But, sure, sure. Uh, mm-hmm. But we have fun. Yeah, that's fun, man. That's great. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Toss a fly right in the back of the canoe and off you go. Such a fun. Yeah. Day. Yeah. Um, time for some Mitchie's fishies five. I think it might be that time. Sounds good to me. Uh, so, Mitchie's Fishies Five, we ask every guest the same five questions. Um, and we're going to ask you them right now. All right. So, <laughs> and I, I kind of feel like I know some of the answers maybe based on this conversation, but let's just let's just see. Let's see what happens here. Uh, okay, so the first one of Mitchie's Fishies Five is, what is your favorite fish and why? Um, brook trout. They're just so beautiful. Where, where, where they live is beautiful, and yeah. their colors themselves are so beautiful. And I think it it's, it's funny how we all get attracted to one right i'm sure you've, you've had so many people on your show and they've all got different answers for different reasons but mm-hmm. it's it's so um it's so implicit what we what we fall in love with about them you know it's yeah. just it's, i just think they're beautiful they are. there's lots of beautiful fish but i just think they're the most beautiful yeah they absolutely are and they take you to like like you say beautiful places especially in the case of Al yeah. park right because they're those brook trout yeah. rivers are they're so different in a way you know like they're a little yeah. they're interesting yeah 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 it's yeah. a good answer brook trout i like yeah. it um, so number two is if you could fish anywhere in the world right now, and I know again, this is COVID and it's like, <laughs> but uh, if you could fish anywhere in the world right now, where would you go and, and why would you go there? So I knew this question was coming, right? I listened to your podcast. I love what you guys are doing. Oh, thanks. Um, thanks. So, um, this is a tough one to answer. So back to go back to my self-centered 25 year old thinking I'm this shit guy doing all these cool rivers. Yeah. I wish I could go back and fish all those. Um, and, and it's a long, long, long list, but you know, mm-hmm. spending time in Idaho and in Colorado and Jeez. man, I, I, I didn't, I was so superficial there. There's just so much more going on there that I did not recognize because I just had my head in my belly button. But <laughs> anyways, a lot of, I would like to relive a bit of my life that way, but re- revisit some of those rivers. Mm-hmm. But, um, New Zealand is the answer. South Island nice. of New Zealand. And, uh, I, my sister-in-law is in New Zealand, so I spent some time there a year ago, a year and a bit ago at Christmas. I spent uh, spent almost a month there and got to fish a ton, and we're going back in another year and a bit. So nice. that place is uh, totally, totally, totally different. Totally yeah. different. So everything's different. So whole new world to, to learn there. So oh, man. Cool. Yeah, I think that's a lot of people's uh, number one because, geez, like... We, we had a couple of friends that, that just went down there to do the championships before this whole thing. And the, some of the pictures they were sharing, oh my God, the fish in New Zealand are just insane. It's so different. It's, yeah. there's, there's no little fish. I don't get the yeah. ecosystem. So, where are they? How do they get this? Do they get born this way? Like, I don't understand them. Um, you, you'll see, the water is as clear as air. Yeah. It's, it's, like if you asked a kid to draw a side profile of a river, you know, they draw the riverbed yeah. and then they draw a line for yeah. the top of the river. Yeah. It, that's what it's like there. There's just a line <laughs> separating the water from yeah. the air and it's completely no difference in what you're seeing. You can see everything. They can see you, the fish see you, you see them and you just. So cool. You try try what you can to, to figure out if you can get a fly in front of them. Um, so super, super technical, super spooky. And they're all big. Yeah. I, I don't get that. I don't get that. You're right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm it. excited for you to go be, go be going back there yeah. in, in a little bit to yeah. fish. Well, you'll have yeah. to send us the pictures yeah. of the fish. Yeah, for sure. Number yeah. three uh, is what is your best fishing memory? Best or favorite fishing memory from all time? Um, 
Oh gosh, I, I think, so I'm gonna answer your question in two ways. So, yep. so there's the fishing memory and I'm gonna tell you the guiding memories because I think those are, that's kind of a different one. Yeah. Um, listening to your show, lots of people talk about their fam fishing with their families. And of course I've got great memories. My, my, my now retired dairy farmer dad, I take him fishing and we have great fun. Awesome. Um, and like those with my kids. Um, but my own, my own personal memories around those, I think it was the surprise of, is it any one time? No, but it's, this is what I remember, is the surprise of being in a new spot and the surprise of a big fish grabbing a fly. You don't really know what's in there. Mm, yeah. right? So exploring a new little stream or a new outflow below a lake, because like, I don't know much about this place. Yeah. And the, the, the sense of surprise and shock when something big grabs your line. I, yeah. I love that. And, yeah. and I remember that feeling. I can feel it in my hand just even saying it. it just, I yeah. love that part about, about fly fishing is when something grabs your line every cast is full of hope that that's going to happen yeah. and what's the odds you know it's one in a hundred or whatever yeah. the de deal is or even less right. so yeah. i love that and that's my memories are about about those big grabs when it's totally unexpected in the oh, shot. Man, totally. um, as a guide man i've got amazing stories of of clients who who spend a day with and i feel so so privileged to be a, intersecting in their life just for a little bit but um had a lady once who was blind, wanted to learn how to fly fish. Wow. So oh, so out of a drift boat worked really well because because I just put the boat where she only needs to cast 30 feet and I'll put the boat 30 feet away from the eddy line, right? So yeah. totally worked. Um, amazing. Blew her mind. She was 60 years old, going blind, and and she wanted to learn how to fish. So, so amazing. Wow. Um, wow. Lots of, lots of, there's who hires a guide it, it's generally beginners or mm -hmm. people who are compromised in some way so lots of elderly folks lots of elderly guys used yeah. to fish their balance is going right. they their hips are bad and getting to spend days with these people and they're having a giggly fun fishing yeah. day that they haven't had in 20 years like yeah. that's so that's it's awesome cool. I, I love i love that part of the guiding world and it honestly has nothing to do with fish for me at all it's being able to intersect these people's lives and give yeah. them something so so special no, yeah. it's so cool so I've got, super i can go on and on and on about the cool people that i've had in my boat that mm. and, and those stories are not the ace fishers who are good yeah. you know the somebody jumps in is really good fly fisherman that's fine we have fun conversations during the day but yeah. it's the people who have a story mm -hmm. and this is somehow just a little not a little sometimes really big deal in their lives that i just get to play a little part in i'm yeah. a, i'm a, i'm sure they don't remember my name and that doesn't matter um, I definitely remember the day. They've got really, really important things going on, and mm -hmm. and I'm flattered that they choose to do that out of my boat. It's so cool. Oh, yeah, that's cool. So, that's, that's, that's really so nice. cool. special. Oh. Yeah, like that's a side of guiding I never even really thought about, like giving people access to something that they once either loved or oh, have always yeah. wanted to do. Super cool. Oh yeah, a girl. Oh yeah, I could go on and on. Lady, lady, just a young woman um, was in the hospital, a mental health hospital, a mental institution, I guess you call yep. it, for six months. Um, and got out and was like rewriting her world, right? It's like, yeah. I'm going to fish, I'm going to get fit. And it's like, she hired me to come and guide her. And it's like, this is, it was like, she was just born, you know, it That's was cool. so amazing mm. that her, her terrible tragedy, the story of the tragedy in her life. And she's just like, I'm on a new road and this is where it's starting and I'm going to fly fish. That's cool. <laughs> like, how, cool is, how cool is that? That's, That's so cool. cool. So, anyways, I get to be a part of that. That's awesome, man. And also the, the, your fishing memory, uh, God, that makes me want to go fishing so badly because yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Your fly is in a spot. You're just like, I don't know what's going on here. And then just like, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. oh, man. Yeah. Gets me so yeah, jazzed. For sure. um, okay, number four is why do you fly fish? Why do you fly fish at all? Uh, to be around rivers, right? Just the river story. That's where we started our, our talk here today. And it is. I just love, just love, love, love rivers and everything about them. Yeah. Um, 
and that's that's where we get to spend our time but as a craft you know it's such a cool craft the craft of casting mm -hmm. the craft mm -hmm. of of tackle and putting it together i was tying a new i've tied a, a a euro leader today so i made a four meter leader which is something new so nice. uh the craft of fly tying there's just it's all these the little bits of expertise that is totally. endless that, that we get to build ourselves so I, I appreciate how that comes together to be to spend that in an environment where where it's just so special so powerful yeah no, that's a great yeah, answer. I mean, yeah, especially, yeah. yeah I mean, you, you, you spend so much time on the water and you're, you know, an amazing, uh, whitewater rafter and, and then fly fishing. It seems like, yeah, I mean, that's a whole world right there. Yeah. You can yeah. sink your teeth into. Yeah. Uh, okay. Number five, my favorite one. Uh, if you're all of our favorites, it's all of our favorites. If you were a fly, what would you be? What fly pattern represents you best and why? What is the Jeff yeah, Jackson fly? I'm thinking about this. Does everybody <laughs> agonize over this? Did you, does everybody spend time? Yeah. 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 Uh, if they listen to the show, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to like try to be super philosophical, but I'm not. It's like, what do I use? So here's my question. To, here's what I'm framing this is, yeah. what fly do I use all the time? So it's going to be some kind of muddler zonker. Okay, nice. So okay. deer head, deer, two peaceful woodland creatures, right? Put deer on the front yeah. and bunny on the back and do it. <laughs> All sorts cool. of variations of that. Um, I use it all the time. So that's that's the brook trout story. That's the bass story. And you can yeah. even make them big and ugly and turn it into a pike fly, whatever. That, yeah, that's um, true. So, and I like tying them. I tie a ton of them and I tie way more than I need just because I enjoy spinning deer hair and and yeah. all the variations of how you nice. want to turn that tail and body into something big and ugly or something tight. Yeah. But uh, I think the muddler minnow gets lots of bad, bad rap because it's just so school but um man it works big noisy head and the yeah. dark it's dark water here so tannin water call it um so it needs to be more noisy underwater for fish to find it and, yeah. and that the, that muddler head seems to really work so i've been and you can you can sculpt and cut it or you can make it big and round or whatever so anyways mm -hmm. that, that's the one I'm, I'm not trying to say any big statement about my my life and philosophy that's that's just the fly i use all the time that's great that's, it's I a think good it's fly. great yeah. it's a great fly good. yeah i love it um you've gotten that one so it's still, we're still, <laughs> yeah, we're still good for like no, no repeats on, on people's choices. Of yeah, all right. Good. Yeah. yeah it flies. Yeah. So we're going to make that book one day. We got to make yeah. the book with everybody's yeah. picture and then the fly. We're going to do with it. Everybody's 100%. picture and everybody's fly. When we get to episode a hundred, once we get to a hundred episodes, we'll do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to add a six Mitchie's fishies five right now. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and this, My is head just this is specifically for you. Mitch, um, I haven't been out of the house in a month. This is too much excitement. This is too much. <laughs> um, okay, so it is, um, what's special about Algonquin Park to you? Like, what, what is it about Algonquin Park that, that just makes you, um, keep, mm. that keeps you coming back and that, and that just fills you with joy? So I think it, it's, it's a, uh, hmm. Three, th three things come to mind, yeah. and then there's kind of one that plays a role. One is I love the history, and I love being a part of the history. That That's mm -hmm. that's really cool that there's a 100-year-old fishing guide story there, totally. and I like being a part of that. I like the vastness of the place, even though, like I said, I'm not fishing on big lakes, but crossing these big lakes to get to where we want to go. Mm -hmm. um, that that's, that's really a special part of it. But ultimately, it's about these little streams, and there's just so many little streams. That's what's so special to me is that, yeah. that that you could just visit thousand different little streams and go and i love walking up and down exploring these little streams so yeah. mm. um, that's really what's so special just the endless amount of these little currents and um sometimes a couple kilometers long worth or sometimes they're just little drops but either way it's discovering all these little things that's what i love about it so much that's to awesome. explore so good 
Yeah, and if people are listening, haven't been, or you're thinking about going on a trip when this whole thing is over, go to Ogongo Park and check it out because it's uh, it's a yeah. dynamite place. And we got to go see more yeah. often too. We got to check yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah. 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 for sure. Where can people find um, your services and information about your business? How can people find you online? Yep. AlgonquinFlyFishing.com. AlgonquinFlyFishing.com. That's crazy. You got the dot com. That's such a good URL. Oh, yeah. Oh, I man. bought them all. I, <laughs> them all. <laughs> I love it. We'll put that link Gonquin in the show notes. AlgonquinFlyFishing.com. We'll put it in the show Perfect. notes, too, so people can find it. Yeah. But uh, Awesome. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Oh, of course. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. man. Thanks so much for, yeah. for coming on and talking today about, uh, about fly fishing in Algonquin Park and your fly fishing life. It yeah. was super fun. Thanks so much for having me. That's a, it's a real pleasure. Happy to, happy to talk about the place, and I, I'd love for people to go exploring that place. It's so awesome. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully you can get out soon, and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, thumbs up that the parks are opening back up. That's great. Hopefully yeah. you can yeah. enjoy some time on the water soon. And uh, yeah. yeah, thanks again, Jeff. It was uh, really nice right. to meet yeah, thanks, you. Thanks, Jeff. Chat. Great job. Nice meeting you, Jeff. All right, you too. Yeah, right. thanks everybody. All right, it was a great show. Yeah, it was great. That was a good show. Yeah, yeah, Jeff's great. He's so knowledgeable about. Uh, about you know Algonquin Park in the area and and what he's what he's doing there. I mean, geez, I did so I had no idea I had no idea there was that kind of history in Algonquin Park. It's amazing. I know that satellite dish in the middle of the park. That's insane. That's crazy. I know that existed. I didn't that's, know that. That's that's wild. Yoma, you knew that? That's awesome. Yeah, Have you seen it? How'd you know that, Yoma? I haven't seen it. I've just heard about it. My my buddy Scott used to tell me about it because he's into the whole uh astrology that's how your family communicates with astronomy astronomy exactly (laughs) astrology is very different they don't have a big satellite dish in the thing to give people's horoscopes (laughs) oh my god can we not can we edit that out please no it's awesome i love that i Um, I know the difference and our viewers are not gonna do you know what's another cool thing too is the otter slides but uh we didn't talk about those but it's like the these like natural water slides in the center of the park that you can paddle into and like slide they're super cool i've always wanted to go we gotta go check those out sometimes. we we would always go to in algonquin park because mm-hmm. i haven't been there in years but we would always do the high falls route which is probably one of the more traveled routes right and high falls were had one of those slides where you would put your life jacket on yeah as like a diaper basically yeah, and yeah. then slide when down. you go down them it was pretty fun so I'm not fun <laughs> so fun yeah we gotta we gotta check out algonquin park again and uh but yeah, yeah. it'd be it'd be fun. i'm down to well let's go with jeff yeah, we should go to Pembroke. Go to Pembroke. Yeah, get some musky. Yeah, that sounds crazy, man. Oh my god, sounds so crazy, dude. Yeah, jeez. I mean, anything like fishing wise right now is just getting me jazzed. You guys are gonna go out tomorrow. Um, I think tomorrow. Uh, they said they were opening conservation areas for day use. Right. Tomorrow. For day use, yeah. For day use. Yeah. So maybe you'd see if we can squeeze out a couple hours. It's supposed to snow, so I don't know if the, how realistic this weather's crazy. Is be, but uh, yeah, geez, Louise. But Papa just to get Jones. outside would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, oh well, what can you do? Not that far, you know, from us right now. No, for sure. Yeah, it's like 30, 40 minute drive, and we're there. So we'll see how it goes. It's cool to hear uh, about just the whole history of Algonquin Park, though. I had no idea. I had no idea it went back that far. The history. I would love to have, I mean, there's just something so romantic about, I don't know, like like hopping on a train and then get, takes you into a lodge or that you get to like, I don't know, you explore the wilderness, but then you go back and have like a bottle of wine and a steak. Yeah. Sounds like something Joe would go to. It's just such a, yeah, it's such a crazy, like, but also back then. Right. And they're all like in their fancy suits, riding the train in like, all right, we're going fishing Northern Canada. See, like what (laughs) what a crazy like time that would have been. 
Dateline, 1895. <laughs> Scores of New Yorkers are going north to Algonquin Park exactly. to enjoy the wilderness with Canadians. <laughs> hey, how's it going, eh? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. You Algonquin guys bringing you the bat blue? Um. <laughs> yeah, back then. Check it out, though. If you haven't been, yeah, definitely go to Algonquin Park um, and, and hit Jeff up. Go go out with Jeff. Super nice guy. Super, super nice guy. Super nice guy. Yeah. 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 Cool that well, I think we'll, we'll have to do that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Hey, Colin, we're just going to come on the show. Yeah, Colin, we're coming with you. All right. We're, we're Colin, we're coming with you. See we're you just going to hijack your trip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, guys, I can't wait for the for the, for the the bass to open up. I'm looking forward to You got to some that. trout around you, though, Mitchie, where you are right now. Yeah, there is yeah, there is a trout lake. Uh, it's got splake in it, and it's... um. It's not far away, and it's a uh, not a not a. I might I might go back there with my flow tube or my canoe or something and just wet a line. That'd be dope. This Kick week. your little feeties around. Yeah, exactly. Get, See if I catch some, some spikies. Yeah. That'd be fun. Do some casting. Yeah, yeah. I think I might do that. I think I might do that. Crab, you know. I'm just so looking forward to bass season. I don't know, like just being. Hey like, man, I'm literally holding a popper right now. Oh, look at that thing. This is gonna be so fun, you know. Boom. I think like the, I think the whole like being in isolation, not being together, not being able to fish and stuff has made me want to go bass fishing even more. Like specifically bass for some reason. I don't know what it is about it, but I don't know. There's no, just... it, it's just because it's just it's exacerbated that feeling of like the first day of summer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that 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 trip that we took last year to mm-hmm. for bass opener, I was like, yeah. I couldn't wait to go. I didn't even wait for. I <laughs> know <laughs> you guys didn't. You I didn't, didn't wait. wait for you guys to get off work. I was just like, yeah. I'm just going to go ahead. <laughs> but that's such a fun day. I love doing that. Like when you're, I was oh, like, I'll see you, I'll see you guys. Meet there. you up there and you you take your time and you check out some lakes. and you Well, I checked fish. out that Splake Lake, man, yeah. that you just talked about. And I caught two Splake. Yeah, exactly. So and that like, was like a hot day. So imagine now. I know. I know. You know what I mean? Probably Jeez. do pretty well. Yeah, I got the light outside. Well. I'm wondering if I have time right now. <laughs> probably not. Because uh, I, 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 I have to like walk in a bit because there's. I went there the other day and there's like flooding. but Because it's still pretty early, but. Go check it out. What did you do for your mother, man? It's Mother's Day today. I texted her. I said, uh, hold on. This is exactly what <laughs> texted I texted her. her. I said, um, happy Mama Mima Moo Moo Day. <laughs> and, then, good. and then she didn't respond. Perfect. Oh, I thought your mom and dad were at the cottage with you. It was just you and Steph? Yeah, it's just Steph and I here. They're, they're oh, matched. there's Archie. I can see Archie in the back. Eh? But yeah. actually, no, I did get her a really cool gift, but it's in the mail. I got her one of those KitchenAid mixers you know those ones you turn on yo yeah. that is that's one of those gift. gifts that you benefit from <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i'm gonna go back okay. and make some pie crusts be good oh, dude those kitchen aid mixers just yeah steph and i went hazzy's on it together that because it's like yeah those things are pretty cool so there oh, you go yeah i actually did do something really nice what did you what color mitch red oh, red it pops against her nice. white backsplash exactly we kitchen sent, aid red man yeah we sent my mom a bunch of coffee things but also a coffee from a local coffee shop in Ottawa. Nice. Because she hadn't been out for coffee, oh, yeah, obviously, yeah, in two yeah. months. Yeah. And uh, Quitters? Center- huh? Quitters? No, she's downtown. Oh, right. It's a different one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I wish I could send her Quitters. I love Quitters. Yeah. Shout out to Quitters. Yeah. Shout out to Quitters. Um, yeah, my mom didn't really want to talk to me. She lied about her Wi-Fi getting shut down. She's so. in Trinidad right now. Yeah. She's like, oh, Wi-Fi's down. Can't talk to you, son. <laughs> As steel Bye. drums get louder and louder in the background. <laughs> yeah, like a mar- like a margarita blender. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's just my bad connection. Oh, it's my bad connection. Do you want a double? <laughs> yeah. Not now. Not now. Yeah, sh- not now. I'm trying to yell my. 
Uh, well, there you uh, go. It is Mother's Day. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Well. Jeez. Well, happy Mother's Day, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Happy Mother's Day, April Vokey. Yeah, I was just gonna say April Vokey. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, and the other moms we've had on the show. I think that's the only mom we've had on the show. The only mom we've had on the show. I think you're right. Yeah. 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 We should have our moms on the show. That'd be funny. <laughs> we should. That'd be a good Mother's Day episode. Yeah. Try to Mother's Day. We all go fishing somewhere and then they just We record them fishing. <laughs> we just go insane. <laughs> <laughs> just record the trip, 30 minutes, and then we just do a show around that. Done. That sounds fun. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it next year. Fun. We can do it in Tobago. Ooh, that'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yoma doesn't like that idea. We're losing I guess. Yoma. Um, well, anyway, that was a great show, everybody, and uh, fun to talk about Algonquin Park. Fun to meet Jeff, mm-hmm. really cool guy. And um, mm-hmm. uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Jeez Louise. Uh, hopefully, everybody's doing well, and um, stay safe out there. And uh, that's it for me, Mitch, Aldo. Uh, yeah, thanks, everybody. Yelma. Uh, thanks, everyone. And yes, it's, it's astronomy, not astrology. Take care. You can find all of SoFly's content at SoFly.ca. On Instagram, we're at the SoFly Crew. You can reach us at thesofflycrew at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or concerns. On Facebook, we're SoFly, and our podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify.